I would like to be seen as a storyteller, period. Not a black storyteller, not an expert on race, not the director of Dear White People, a storyteller. That's how I would like to be seen. Because that's who I think I am. You're always just like loud and talking and moving around and, and laughing and cackling. I'm like, yeah, when we're out and we're drinking. But when I'm in Target, <laughs> looking for toothpaste, I don't want you talking about dick all loud. Here's the thing. when you grow, I grew up black and gay in the South. So learning to separate how people see me from how I see myself was just a, a survival. The first time I read the word gaslighting, I was like... Oh, yeah, shit, that is exactly what happens. And it's also, I think, has affected me as an adult of being confused a lot. I just, yeah, I want to continue, of course, to be fat black in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think I can get away from. I can't get away from that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we have today. This is Seen with Miranda, a show that delves into the disparity between how we are seen and how we want to be seen. Not your typical interview show, the Seen podcast asks guests to document a list of the ways they have been acknowledged and judged throughout their lives. This Seen list is read by my guests at the top of the show and then used to guide our conversation about identity, visibility, and invisibility while pursuing the question, how are you seen? I'm your host, Miranda Wiley, and here are the ways I've been seen. One, father-in-law says to my son, isn't your mom so pretty? She looks like a teenager. Two, another white feminist. Three, at the grocery store, question, when are you due? Answer, um, the baby died. Four, preacher's daughter. So how did I get here? Documenting a scene list and asking others to do the same? I've always been curious how people see me when I enter a space. To give this curiosity an origin story, it probably began with number four, Preacher's Daughter. My family moved around a lot. Every two to four years, my dad, an Episcopalian priest, the kind that, yes, can get married and have kids, would become the headmaster of a different religious-affiliated elementary school. So, every two to four years, I entered a new community as the preacher's daughter or principal's kid because, yeah, I went to the same school my dad ran. And before I could even introduce myself, teachers, peers, and congregation members would formulate ideas about what I was like. But unlike what most would assume, religion was not central to our family values. There were no Christian confines to rebel against. My parents considered spirituality a personal pursuit— and the priesthood was just what my dad did to make a living. In documenting my scene list, I realized how much I was mislabeled, misunderstood, or rendered invisible throughout my life. Much longer than a list of four, my scene list feels like an account of transgressions. And when reading it, I had a total moment of despair, like, fucking hell, this is totally depressing. Is this just perception? Am I viewing all of these encounters with a glasses half empty lens? So I started recounting all the times I felt wholly seen. When my brother reached over our drinks to stroke my arm and with tears in his eyes said, we didn't know how bad it is. I'm sorry. Or when shortly after arriving at a neighborhood barbecue, I announced to a group of parents who asked how I was doing, my kids are assholes, I can't do this, and left. 
So frazzled by parenting and lack of sleep, I couldn't muster small talk or pretend to be okay. And those group of parents answered with acceptance. That is how I answer the question on becoming interested in identity politics and the desire to create a show about it. And here's how my friend Jack Darling talks about me and the show. I love this show because you're going to like call this from people and, and then it's going to make people think about their own identities even more and maybe even shape it for them. You gave me my first big stage that I hadn't had a long time to get back into comedy magic. And you gave me that platform, you know, yeah. at bedpost and I floundered. I didn't do my best shows. I wouldn't say, but I definitely was something different to add to your show. And you're willing to take the risk and you've taken the risk with me several times. And so I really appreciate it. And that's why I'm glad you're doing this show because I feel like you'll find the people that you love or care about and you'll give them this like chance to talk to an audience and be seen in a way that maybe they wouldn't get the chance to be seen. I mean, it's just what you have to offer the world. Like you are a champion, might sound cheesy, <laughs> but it's true. Like you, you push people to show themselves. You see something beautiful in someone or something magnificent, whatever it is that you decide is lit in them and you give them a place to like show it. Join me for season one of Scene with Miranda, where my guests and I document the complex world of identity in relation to ability, class, employment, gender, race, and sexuality, where our first guest, Nikki Devon's identity can be summed up with her hashtag to life, fat and black in Texas. Be seen with us on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Scene Podcast and Scene with Miranda. Persist. Your perspective keeps the people's objective far from effective. Don't you know your true color?